Well, good morning to everyone. You know, we're getting ready to kick off the uh, fall series. This is a pretty uh, exciting time in the sense that we feel like we're going to make a journey together. This idea of sustainable faith, you know, building blocks for a sustainable faith, that, that has a lot to do with just a faith that will last. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but I didn't want to run past the video that we just shared, the highlight video about the baptism service. I know many of us were there, many of a lot of us obviously were not able to be there as well, but we wanted to show everyone the, some of the amazing things that happened last Sunday evening as people made a real declaration of their love for Christ, their desire to follow him. It was a blessing. We had, we had a meal afterwards, a barbecue afterwards. It was here. And it was just, it was a, I just, a wonderful, celebrative, joyful moment that really touched the core of a lot of um, what we're about, is watching people come to know Christ and take steps in their growth with Christ. It's just a, and we're all part of that story. And so, um, oh, and by the way, if some of you are at a point in your life where you're feeling maybe part of what you saw moved you, and you're feeling like, you know, maybe it's my time to, to make a, a, a commitment that shows up in, in a public way, joining with community and being baptized as the Lord invited us to do so and commanded us to do so, if we would follow him. That if you have not been baptized and you want to learn about that or you want to go through um, you know, just the little class that we have. We're, we're going to be offering that again in November, the class. It's a very short class. You can sign up online. But again, if, if that's something that God is putting in your heart that you need to respond to him to, I really would encourage you to do it. It's a special, wonderful moment. Also, for you know, those of um, us who are here and maybe you don't have an idea of how to even get involved in Cornerstone, we've got two things coming up. We call them the next steps. These are things that sort of like our version of a, of a, of a portal in a, a, to our community. And they're both actually happening the next two Sundays. They happen about a block and a half away at Dorland, our Dorland building that we use. And in this, the first week is a very broad kind of welcoming um, meeting. It, it's a time to be able to interact with some of the staff and get a general sense of what Cornerstone's about. And then the second one is more focused on just how to actually get plugged in and really to you know, get into the nuts and bolts of how to get involved. So I would encourage you, if you're at a place where you want to either explore or think about getting plugged in, this is the way to do it. And um, there's one more thing that we're doing. It's with the uh, women in our community, the ladies in our community. They have these events called Coffee Talks. And we launched the new season this Saturday. And this is going to be actually a really special one, um, this idea of awake, because there are two uh, ladies in our community who are going to be sharing in a very personal way um, on a video story um, their, their journey and the twists and turns, some of the pains, and, and the way in which God has moved in their lives. And it's specifically geared for women, and uh, it's designed to create community for the women in our church. And so just be aware of that. That's happening this Saturday. But I'm going to go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll move into this time of sharing God's word together. But Lord, I thank you again for uh, the privilege and the joy of being able to learn of you, talk about you, sing to you. I want to pray blessing, Lord, over all who are here. Um, I pray blessing on those who came in excited, ready to receive something from you. I pray blessing on those who came in even a little scared, like this is a foreign thing for me coming into a church. And maybe some of them have even suffered, some of us have even suffered trust injuries, and it's a bigger step than anyone will ever know, but we, we know the Lord loves us. And still others among us, Lord, I, I think 
maybe we even have come in reluctantly because someone we care about sort of put some pressure on us to go. And we're here. But I want to pray blessing on everyone. I want to pray your grace to flow, Lord. I want to pray for your life to flow. Wherever we are, Lord, I pray, create openness of heart. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen, God. So you know the idea of building a sustainable faith? These building blocks for a sustainable faith. Really what we're talking about, and we're going to be looking at the, second, the opening of the second letter of Peter, the second epistle of Peter. And just the opening verses is where we're going to be exploring for the next few weeks. And there's going to be a couple of times where we're going to have a few others share around some of the things, these building blocks, as we're going to explore them in the weeks ahead. But really, this idea has to do with a faith that is capable of lasting and sustaining itself, of prevailing. Because, you know, life can get complicated and life can get difficult. And sometimes life is filled with surprises. And they ca it catches us off guard. We were planning on it going this way, and life goes that way. And all of a sudden, we're finding ourselves in a place that we had not anticipated, you know, in a very lighthearted way. That is part of what happened to me today. I got up this morning. I was feeling, you know, when I talk about a surprise, I was feeling really good. In fact, I made it. I've been thinking about this this morning. I, had, we had sh I shared last night. I was thinking about the whole, the services on Sunday and just this message and what I felt like God wanted us to say. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to rethink a couple of things. And so I got up a little bit before 6. I was getting ready. Now, my uh, house, in the last couple of years, we've had a, a family dog. It was my oldest daughter's dog. Got him when he was a puppy. Um, Autumn came from um, the SPCA. Autumn, little, we think, German Shepherd, uh, Ridgeback, kind of a, she'd been in a bit of, a, of an abused dog. And um, she became a really important part of our family. And I got attached to her. But when my oldest daughter got married, she, she moved out and, and Autumn went with her, which is OK, you know. Um, but my youngest daughter really loves that, that, that dog, OK, Autumn. And so when she comes back from school, from university, she picks up, she says, I want Autumn to stay with us. So Autumn came back to her old haunting grounds, our house today. And um, she was overnight, and she has this habit of getting me up in the morning, and, and uh, you know she'll start letting me know that you know she wants to go out, and then she gets to eat. And I've got this backyard door, so you know I was in the just get I got up real early. It wasn't even light yet, but I said all right, all right, I'll get you. So we had this ritual that I sort of have with her. Um, I'll go to the door. It's a backyard door, and she loves to get ready because she knows that a couple of things are going to happen. One, when the door swings open, she's going to get the dash out there with all of her might. And then she's going to run around and hopefully find a friend that she loves to pursue with all of her might, a squirrel that she knows real well. And, and then after that, she knows that after a few other things happen, she's going to get a chance to come back in and eat. So she's very excited. I'm at the door. I'm still getting up. I say, all right, are you ready? I open the door. Just like she always does. But then, all of a sudden, I see her running in circles, barking really loud. It's dark. I can kind of see. And all of a sudden, I see this black mass that she's just kind of barking with. And then I look closely, and there's a white line right behind it. <laughs> and I'm wide open. And I'll tell you, you know, I make decisions some, mostly pretty good under crunch time. But I didn't know what to do in that moment because I'm going, Autumn, 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 come on, come on back. And she's running around. And then, and then all of a sudden, right, I'm about six to eight feet away. 
I'm looking and I'm going, oh, this is not good. This is not, this is autumn, all right? And so I'm back and all of a sudden you, it happens, right? Wow. And so I pull Autumn off. I, I, that skunk, you know, that's self-defense. You know, he come, I get Autumn. I say, Autumn, come on. And then all of a sudden I go, we got to get, I close the door. I said, we got to run up. So I, I ran upstairs, stuck her in the shower. I jumped in the shower. <laughs> We're like, I'm cleaning her up as best as I can. It was not, and I'll tell you, the house, oh my goodness. It, it, <laughs> so I had a stinky day today. <laughs> Not a stinky day. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because it reminded me that we got to be adaptable in life. And not everything goes as planned. I mean, I was really up by this morning. And I was laughing because I said, you know, this was not how I expected the morning to go. But it's okay. As we talk about the sustainable faith, as we talk about being adaptable, as we talk about, you know, and I know, I know it's kind of being lighthearted there, but... Um, there are a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. Uh, I, had a, I had a lady come up to me last night with utmost sincerity. And we were sharing, and, and uh, she's, she said, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm really afraid right now. I just can't shake it, what's going on in the world. And um, the news had just broken about some more just stuff and all the stuff about war and jurisdiction and the crazy things that are happening to people. Then on the home front, we've got other things like if you're a sports fan, it's just all kinds of other stuff and there's, there's domestic violence. It's just, it's just, it's been a really messy period. It's very ugly. And, but the, what struck me was she said how afraid she was. And she goes, I'm really afraid. I'm afraid we're going to have a world war. And I said, well, I said, I, I, I go, I don't know what's going to happen. I said, but, you know, I go, we're okay. I go, and you know what? This is what our, when our faith matters. We gotta trust God. Can't be afraid of things. It's a broken world. It's crazy out there. It can be crazy in our world. We made it came in with some other things that are, made our crisis, you know, outside, you know, pale in comparison to what we're having to deal with in our own personal life. Who knows? I, the fact is, God wants to teach us. Listen to me. I'm not just saying it. I'm, it we're gonna see it. He really does want to teach us to prevail, to be adaptable, to be nimble, to have a faith that is, is capable of extraordinary resiliency in any situation. So let's look at this as we begin to make our way. Let's look at how Peter opens up his letter as we talk about a life of progress, sort of this introduction to the, the building blocks. Second Peter 1 says this, that this letter, and he, this is how he opens his letter. He tells us who it's from. He says this letter is from Simon Peter, um, uh, and then he uses a designation. The catches us a little bit off guard. Slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. The opening movement of the letter, the first part of the introduction, is in and of itself a lesson. Simon Peter. That wasn't his first and last name. Those were his two first names that were interchangeable. Sometimes he was called them both. But he was, as, as we will see, he was Simon, son of John, son of Jonah. Um, we would say in our vernacular, his original name was Simon Johnson. And Simon, who will be known as Peter, Simon was his earthly name. That was the name his parents gave him. That was what he was born with. Peter, the name that he refers to here, the name that we know him by, the apostle. Peter was the name that was given to him by Jesus. And I was thinking about this moment because it was a special moment. It occurred at the time when they first met. 
And I wanted us to look at it, because again, this is how he starts his letter. I thought, okay, we're going to be listening to Peter in, in the coming, coming weeks. Let's, let's take for a moment some time and look back at that moment when he got his name, because it's, it, it, it's a big deal, actually. It's a big part of how he becomes the man he is. So go to the second column there. I put this, it's from John 1. So we go all the way back to the beginning of the Gospels. In John 1, when Jesus first meets Peter, it says, one of the two who heard John speak, that would be John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, the prophet who said he was anticipating the coming of Messiah. And when he saw Jesus of Nazareth, he said, there he is, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Well, John had acquired disciples, two of which were Andrew and Simon. They were brothers and Andrew realizes that it's Jesus who John says is the Messiah. And so he goes and he hears him and he's moved and he's compelled. And what he does is what Andrew has a habit of doing. Every time he's mentioned in scripture, he's always mentioned bringing somebody to meet Jesus. And, so, and remember, there is no Peter without an Andrew. We're all in this together. It says that um, what, one of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew and Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon. And he said to him, listen, Simon, we have, uh, we have found him. We have found Messiah. We have found the one that the prophets of old said would be coming. We have found the one who will be, as the scriptures tell us, the savior of the world, the savior of our people. It is the Messiah and translated in the Greek, the Christ. All right the anointed one. And it says that he, that is Andrew, brought him to Jesus. So he says, you got to come and meet him. you got to come and see him for yourself. I want you to meet him. He's there. He's waiting. You come and meet him. And so it says he brings him to Jesus. And again, in our minds, we're reading this, but try to imagine it in your mind's eye. Try to imagine that moment as Peter is making his way to the one that his brother, who he loves and believes is not an exaggerator, has said, this is Messiah. You need to meet him. You need to meet him with yourself. He wants to meet you. And as Simon makes his way to Jesus, in that opening moment of what will ultimately be a life so interwoven with the way of Christ, but the first step, the first encounter, the first movement, the first exchange, which is so telling, it says that Jesus looked at him and oh, the eyes of Jesus that tended to look right through into the soul and into the heart of anybody they, they actually looked at. And when he looked at him, he did something that Peter could not have anticipated, for it seems that before any words were exchanged, anything, any greeting, anything else, before there was ever an Andrew saying, this is my brother, Simon, before any of that, or Simon saying, pleasure to meet you, I, peace to you, N nothing. The first thing that happens when they get close, he looks at, Jesus looks at him, and I, it doesn't say it, but I've, I've imagined it, him picking up a rock, a stone, and he looks at him and he says, I am giving you a new name. You are no longer only known as Simon. I am calling you Peter. I am calling you Cephas in the Aramaic, Cephas in the Greek, Petros, rock, Peter. You will be a man who will be built on. I stake my claim upon your life by giving you a name. It was a powerful moment. And even the idea of a rock, to me, a stone, the idea of something solid, something that can be built on, in many ways, it was the very thing I think that Peter knew he wasn't, but wanted to be. Can any of us relate to that? 
There are things we want to be, but we know we, we aren't. But in, in, in G. Campbell Morgan, the great commentator, said, from that moment on, through all the ups and downs and the failures, Jesus had his heart. And even though Peter failed him, his heart never broke with him. So that was the first encounter. That's how he got his name. But I want us to look at another moment because the process of growing into that name would take years. And there's another incident. We call this incident, and I put this in your hand as well. It's the second column from Book of Matthew, 16th chapter. This is what is known as the Great Confession by Bible teachers and at times theologians refer to it this way. This was a moment in which Peter, who was capable of saying some incredibly foolish things because he was extremely rash, he had an amazing, interesting personality that I love. He's probably, I never tire, probably won't ever tire of preaching around Peter because he's so real. He's so authentic. When he fails, he fails magnificently. <laughs> and when he succeeds, he succeeds magnificently. And that was never more true than in this moment when his tendency to just shoot and aim later caught this in the perfect moment because Jesus was himself, I can tell in his humanity, it seems in the scriptures, a little bit I hesitate to say down, because I don't know if that could, that is an, an accurate description, but let us say that Jesus was fully aware that people were beginning to be disappointed in him and that there was a tremendous amount of controversy around who his true identity was. And he was really beginning to wonder, is anybody really understanding who I am? Now that's in his humanity. And he turned to his disciples and he said, who do, look at it, he says, I have a question for you. Who do you say that I am? Who am I? This is a great question. Who is Jesus? But Jesus asked the question, who do you think I am? And this is with his most intimate disciples. There were a lot of people saying things about Jesus, a good prophet, a nice, a great teacher, a rabbi, um, you know, Elijah risen from the... There was all these controversial statements being made. And it was in this moment, it says that Peter... Something about Peter, when Jesus asked the question, it, it stirred him to just share his heart. It was part of who he was. And he says, it says, Simon Peter answered, and, and I, you got to know, when you read this, this is like emotions going in rapid fire back and forth. Because he says to him, you are the Christ. You are the promised one. I believe you are the son of the living God. And in that moment, Jesus, it says he could not contain himself. It says that, he says, but this is a moment when you, when you get, Jesus was, his heart, somebody saw it. And he said, blessed are you, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonas. And then he said this again, look at it, and you can see it, it's the second time he really hits it home. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, I tell you, Flesh and blood, pure human thinking has not revealed this to you. I say what you have declared 
is at least in part from the Father above. And it is echoing even now, both into heaven and into hell. I tell you, listen to me, I say to you that you are Peter. You are a fragment of the great rock. And upon this rock, this rock of revelation of who you have just said that I am, and I am that, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, Jesus said, will not prevail against it. It was, he says, it will happen. Now, that was a powerful moment. It was, it was an amazing moment. But again, if you look at these two pieces, their first encounter, G Peter is given a name by G he's given his name by Jesus. And then in this, what is clearly, I would say, his, probably his finest moment, that name is confirmed upon him. And, the, and from then on, he refers to himself as Simon and Peter. Now, in the opening of the letter, look at that again. When I read this initially, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I honestly... I almost kind of cringed at that first description. I said, man, that's a strong word. I get the Simon Peter part, but a slave and an apostle? I get, you're an apostle, but to call yourself a slave, what he was saying was, I'm a man of surrendered will. No one has compelled me. I've given my will to him. And I'm an apostle, one uniquely sent. That is true. And I'm writing to these words, you believers, he says. And what are the words that he begins to write? Look at it. He says, listen, I'm writing to you. Look at, just follow with me, you guys. I'm writing to you who share these same precious faith. We share a precious faith. We share a precious faith. More precious than we'll ever know. Jesus said a person, if they truly understand what it is I am bringing, will sell all they have to obtain it. I tell you, it is likened to a pearl of great price for which a man sells every piece of his collection to obtain. Nothing can compare to it. Peter says, this is the precious faith that we have secured in Christ, freely given to us. This faith, he says, look at, look at it. This faith was given to you because of the justice and the fairness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. He made it possible. He says, look, look at verse 3. He says, he says verse 2, may God give you, this is a prayer for all of us, May God give you more and more grace. Oh, yes, Lord. And more and more peace. Yes, Lord. As you grow in your knowledge of who God and Jesus our Lord, who he is, right? Then the older version says, may the grace and peace of God be multiplied to you. He says, and by, he says, who by his divine power, listen, speaking of Jesus, by his divine power, God has given us, this is important, okay? Especially when we feel like there are some things we don't have enough strength for. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Everything we need for living a godly life. Look, we have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory. Look at the superlatives Peter starts to use. By means of his marvelous glory and his excellence. And because of his glory and his excellence, he has given us, look at this, great and precious, amazing access to promises that have come directly from God. And these are the promises that they, it enables you to share a part of who he is, his divine nature. And even to escape kind of the dominant things that would take away and lead us into bad places. The world's corruption caused, he says, by human desires, all of this. God's giving you the power to overcome it all. He says, now in light of this, in view of all of this, he says, in view of everything that God has done for you, make every effort, key, every effort to respond to God's promises. In light of such a great gift, throw your heart into it to respond to what he's done for you. 
And then he says, supplement your faith with this generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge. And he starts going down a list of things we're going to call building blocks for a sustainable faith in the weeks to come. Now, as I look at this, it, it got me thinking. And I want to submit a couple of things to you. But first, I want to do is I want to put that fifth verse up in a slightly different version that I first learned it in. It's the older New King James Version. It says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, keyword, add to your faith. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Build on it. Now, what are some things we can glean from this? About this, this, this life of following Christ. How do we keep our faith alive? Okay, I'm going to just put some tough stuff up there, and then we're going to sit with it the few minutes we have left. Here it is, firstly. One of the things we're being reminded of is that we are to pursue, as a people in process, his plans for our life with patience and with humility. Okay? Patience and humil humility. Peter would come to know it. Humility is critical for life with God, according to Christ. That God, we you know what he does? He resists the proud and the arrogant. God says that he gives grace to the humble. That God is actually offended by arrogance. Um, but God, the, the scripture tells us, and Jesus taught us, God is like irresistibly drawn to the, to the humble and the broken. He says a broken and a contrite spirit he will not, he will not despise. Which is why sometimes our worst places of brokenness are actually the prelude to our biggest places of breakthrough because our pride gets broken. And there are some times in my life where even though I didn't mean it directly, I was kind of saying, Lord, I can do this. I can do this. But when we fail, when we disappoint ourselves, others, and God, we get reminded of, Lord, there are some things I need your strength to do for you. Honestly, I really need you. And every now and then, what we say we believe, we really get to believe. And here's the thing. The Lord, he will not abandon us. If anybody ever knew failure, Peter knew failure. In his pride and confidence, he has said, I will never fail you, Jesus. Everyone else may, but I will not. I know me. Jesus says, you don't know you. And you have no idea of about what you are about to walk into. Because this is not just about how tough you are. The stuff that you're going to walk into is at such a high spiritual level that if I did not pray for you even now, you would be torn apart from the inside out. And by the way, you will deny me. It was intense. Peter said, no, I won't. <laughs> Before the cock crows thrice, you will indeed. Deny Before the cock crows thrice, you will deny me thrice. Peter knew failure, but it had made him a better man. I'm not saying he should have failed. What I'm saying is it tenderized his heart. He was broken. He wept bitterly. The Bible makes it clear that Peter probably, okay, it doesn't make, it implies that he was so broken that if John didn't find him, I think it's really possible he could have walked down the same road that Judas walked down. He was so broken. The very thing that he had been most proud of, he had denied. I am a loyal man. I may not be everything, but I am a loyal man. And I will die for you. And he would have. Now, we could talk about this all day. But by the time he was broken, he was so open. God had to rebuild him. But the man that got rebuilt was a better version 
than the one who, who was there before he was broken. And sometimes our brokenness sensitizes us to our need for God. It gives us more empathy and compassion to other people. And it reminds us of how much of this life with Christ is a life of grace. A lot of good things can happen there. Now, okay, I was thinking about this and, and this idea of patience as well. A lot of growth takes time. Peter, as I mentioned, was a much different man at the end of his life than he was at the beginning of his life. And I thought about how the Lord called him by name. This, stay with me on this. He said, you're, I'm calling you Peter. This is who you're going to be. And you may not be that now, but this is who I say you can be. And Peter ends up spending a lifetime sort of trying to live into that name. He's like, God says, this is the name I want you to live into. This is the person I want you to become. And I think, and I'm using it as a kind of a metaphor here, but I think the Lord gives us a name, period. He gives us a name. He gives us a word. He gives, listen, he gives us a sense of what he wants us to be and what we can become in him. But, and it's, it's, just, it's an interesting thing. As you draw close to the Lord, you will be, he will begin to call you by name, as it were. And he will begin to call us into places of expansion and growth. He's saying, this is what I call you to be. And at certain times, it will become so clear. Like, God, you're really wanting to grow this in me. There's, I, you know, I remember, and I'm just going to share out of my own story. But I remember I was a, I was, um, a very young believer. I had... Uh, been a teen, I was a teenager, and I had made a sincere decision. I had, I had really felt the presence. I grew up in church, but I, I hadn't, I really, I was in Sunday school. My mom and dad had been divorced. My grandfather was a pastor. I went to church, but I didn't really, I, didn't re, I knew about Jesus, but I really didn't have a relationship with him. I, didn't, I, didn't, I hadn't experienced it. And then I remember at a key point in my life, I felt the presence of the Lord in just an amazing way in my life. It was a prayer. It was a, it was a, I, I really made a f true commitment to Jesus. And I, what happened was I started reading his word differently. B before, uh, yeah, the Bible. But all of a sudden, it was like I couldn't wait to discover things in it. A real hunger to learn about Jesus. Everything, even the Old Testament stories, became very interesting to me. Sort of reading them, like many of us have, got a whole. And I, somebody introduced me early on to the idea of devotions. And devotions, which a lot of people who follow Jesus practice devotions. But a devotion is simply having a committed time to spend devotedly with the Lord. And a lot of times we'll read some of the Bible, we pray, we, we worship, we, we think about the Lord, time for reflection. And, and you have things that are called devotionals. And a devotional might have a, like we have these daily breads that we make available for anybody who wants them. They're, in fact, one of my first devotionals I ever had was a little daily bread. And they have like a little reading for every day. You read a verse, there's a thought, there's an application. It's, it's a way to just sort of build a little devotional habit into our life that is very life-giving. And I started, I, I actually got pretty excited, and I ended up buying a, a, a couple of devotional books from authors that were, were people who I had been told about. And one of them that I purchased was a book called Day by Day by a man named Vance Havener. And I remember I was a teenager, but God was moving in my life. I'm saying all that to say this. I went to a camp, and I brought my, here it is, when I was just a teenager. And I brought this book, and I was reading it, and I fell upon a verse. Now, listen. 
This is what will happen at times. If we read God's word, there will come moments where he will give you a word within the word that is for you in a very different way. And it will resonate so deeply with you that you will know this is the Lord speaking to you about where you are in a specific place, maybe a season in your life. Maybe sometimes every now and then you get a, you get a verse or a passage, but a verse that people sometimes will call them their life verse. This is the verse that is, I've embraced because I feel like God gave it to me to embrace. Now, I was just, I had no intention of doing it. I was reading a devotional. I looked up and I started, I was just kind of reading that day, and I came across a passage in Luke, the 22nd chapter, verses 31 and 32. I had no idea that that verse would deeply impact my life. The irony was that verse was about Peter, but it wasn't about Peter's success. It was about Peter's failure. I asked them if they could put up the verse, and I'll tell you exactly what it was. It says, the Lord said to Simon, 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 the enemy, the evil one, has desired to sift you, tear you apart from the inside out. But I have prayed for you. And when you are restored, when you have returned to me, and the phrase that hit me so hard, strengthen your brethren. And it, it was like in that moment, the Lord said, whatever else you do in life, you will never succeed if you do not do this. Strengthen your brethren. And I, 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 I said, th th this, is my, this is my word. And that became a kind of North Star. And I'm saying is the Lord will give you words within his words that become powerful points of strength in your life. It is dynamic. It is powerful. And the way, it's the way the Lord works. Because we are a people in process. And a lot of times what will happen is, now, here's the thing. You know, the, the other thing, what else does Peter do? Peter, Peter says, look, you need to come into this humble. You need to remember that God will show you the way to go. But then, this is also true. What the Lord calls us into something, and he does. He, like here, he's, he, he calls us into places, just like he was calling me in that moment. I felt like, Lord, you're calling me to a place of growth. I know you are. I'm afraid, but I'm going to try my best to do it because I want to do it. And, when, and, and, and then when the Lord calls us into these places of growth and expansion, what happens is there's a tendency to say, Lord, I, can, I, I don't know if I can do what you're asking me to do. And then you know what the Lord will tell us? Just what Peter said. I will provide you all the strength you need to do whatever I ask of you. Because every, in, in a way, every command is a promise. And I will give you the ability and the strength if you will walk with me. And that really leads perfectly into that second piece there. Because this is what Peter is basically saying. He's reminding them that the Lord will always provide for us. Number two, the Lord will always provide for us everything we need to succeed and prevail in this life of faith. He will make that, those four verses that follow that introduction are all about God's provision. And he's saying, let me tell you all the promises of God. Let me tell you about what he's making available to you. Let me tell you about strength that he wants to give you. Let me tell I can, he, he just he says, God is available to you to do amazing things. He says, but it's going to require, here's the third piece, a response on our part. There is, there is something that we have to choose to do. Remember adding with all diligence, with all diligence, add to your faith. 
Remember that? Make every, look at the phrase, look at the phrase in, the, in the passage that we have there. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. So God says, I will help you fulfill the word over your life that I'm giving you. But then I will give you the strength you need to do it. But then you must choose to respond to that and pour your heart back into it. So there is a, a dance that we are having together. God says, I begin it. I initiate it. I bring faith alive in you. I give you the strength you need, access to strength you need to prevail. But then you must choose to pour your heart into it. You must choose to pursue it. It's almost like the Lord is saying, there has to be some effort in this if it's going to work. It's like, it's like we have a part to play. Like if I get, I want to grow. Okay, am I willing to work? Am I willing to get up? Right? Am I willing to get up and, and, and go at it? I want to have, if, I, if we want to have, listen, if we want to be good at something, we got to train, we got to practice. What we practice, we perfect. And any of us who are serious, if we are serious about following the Lord, then we got we to go at it, right? I mean, some of us need to make, listen, our life with Christ a priority. Some of us need to make our relationship with him a, a, higher, a higher level of uh, pursuit if we want to get the results because the garden unkept grows weeds the soul doesn't just turn itself healthy it's a product of intention to cultivate something the last thing i'll say about it is god wants to add he wants us to add and so here's my question what are the things that god wants to add into our life right now are there rooms that he wants to have built is there something that he wants at a character level to be formed in us that hasn't been there before is there a way of being that he's calling us to relationally that has not really been a part of our life, but we know as we get close to the Lord that he's actually calling us to a place of expansion. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to, are we going to adjust our life a little bit? Are we going to spend more time maybe reading his word? Are we going to cultivate some critical relationships that we know are going to require a little bit of time investment, but they will be worth it because it'll sharpen us towards a goal that we want to get to in Christ? Um, what about the possibility of hurrying up to pull away so that we have space to think long thoughts and to reflect upon the life that we're building and our priorities about to evaluate the outcomes and what's coming out of us? Is this consistent with the person we want to be? Are the things that we're finding ourselves stuck in things that we want to indefinitely get stuck in? Are there places of breakthrough God wants to take us to? How do we get there? These are, uh, these are the real issues. These affect other people. This affects our relationships. What about the person we are? What about what is God trying to forge in us? What's he trying to make? What is he trying to chisel away? What's he trying to, to reform? Oh, just like Peter, I call you into a name. I call you in a name. Move towards it. Make every effort to become who I've called you to be. This growing life. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I, I thank you because I know you love us. And you've given everything for us. And I just want to pray for your blessing over all of us. Even this closing minute, you know, as we get ready to have our time of giving and our closing song, I want to ask you, Lord, to just stir up something in our heart. I, it's, I pray that you would stir in our heart a desire to, to have a, a faith that is growing. It doesn't matter where we are. No matter how old we are. Look, we might be old, Lord. We, we might be older in life, but we might have a lot of years still. We might be younger and we might not have as many as we think. You know all things.
Teach us to build for the right things, not for the temporal stuff that our culture tells us means everything and you taught us means very little. I pray that we would seek to live right in your eyes, that we would pursue you, pursue your ways, pursue your blessings, pursue the growth that you have for us. We welcome you, Lord, to do amazing things. It's what you do. I pray that you bless our time, this closing song, that it be a compliment to what we've just shared, because everything we need is you, and your grip of grace is what we need as well. I ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen, God. <laughs>